Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Man, Kirk Street is on the five phone. Oh, the podcast in Super America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 15th, 2022, people. And we got ourselves a bonus episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So here is the deal. Here is why we have ourselves a little bit of a bonus episode. Monday's episode, not going to lie, I thought it was a great episode. There was just a lot to cover. Right as I'm ready to record, right as I'm ready to break down this bracket, Tom Brady announces his retirement. I feel like I got to at least address that a little bit. We have the Will Wade stuff. We have the Mike White stuff. And all of a sudden, I don't want to say that the bracket stuff got lost in the shuffle, but there was a lot of other stuff going on there. And on top of that, I, I had some kind of reaction to the bracket, Tennessee, Texas A&M, etc. So this is what I wanted to do. I figured that rather than just wait until Wednesday and give my picks, now I will have my official picks on Wednesday's show. What I decided to do, we decided to do a bonus episode with one of my writers at Aaron Torres Online, Zach Kroll. If you are not familiar with Zach, let me say this. Zach has been a writer for our site. I've known him for a few years. He was actually my intern for a time. Now he works at Odyssey. Uh, it's a podcast company. He hosts some shows for them, all that good stuff. And this kid, when I tell you he eats, sleeps, and breathes college basketball, this kid eats, sleeps, and breathes college. I, I watch a lot of college basketball. And then I'll look at my phone and he'll be like, uh, dude, you watching this uh, UNLV San Jose State game? There's a lot going I'm like, no, it's, it's 11 o'clock at night. I got stuff to do. I got a family. I got stuff going on. Can't be watching UNLV San Jose State. So Zach, I think, is as knowledgeable as anybody in college basketball. On top of that, he covered the Big East tournament and the ACC tournament for Aaron Torres online last week. And so because of it, he's seen a lot of these teams in person. And so what I figured was Monday's episode, there was a lot going on. Wednesday, we're going to make the official picks, but on Tuesday's show, I figure that Zach and I just completely nerd out on college basketball. So this is the nerd out session show of college basketball, and what I do think is important is I think it's good to get another perspective on this show sometimes. So sometimes I bring on Nick Coffey, sometimes I bring on other friends, but the idea is to get somebody else's perspective and just nerd out. We talk about UConn versus Arkansas in round two, Memphis versus Gonzaga in round two, that quad that includes Arizona, 
Villanova, Tennessee, Illinois. It's just a really fun conversation. I really think you'll enjoy it. Zach Kroll coming up. As far as the rest of the week is concerned, I will give my official picks on Wednesday. Already a few changes in my head from what I had in Monday's show. Uh, and we will do kind of a opening night recap show on Friday. So when you wake up Friday after the craziness of Thursday, you will have a fresh episode in your feed. Busy week for the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Fun week for the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Zach Kroll, one of my writers at Aaron Torres Online coming up. I believe you'll enjoy it. I know you'll enjoy it. Follow Zach on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C, Kroll, K-R-U-L-L underscore, but I'm telling you guys and girls, this is going to be a really fun nerd out sesh on college basketball. This is getting into the weeds. This is diving down and, and digging through the mud in college hoops and talking college hoops. We're going to get to Zach in a minute. One last notice before we do get to that interview. March Madness is here and it's time for you and your friends and even some enemies too to fill out a bracket, NCAA tournament bracket. Last year I told you there was a new and better website for March Madness called Bracket Fanatics. They are back and better than ever ready to provide you a bracket experience unlike any other, all at BracketFanatics.com. BracketFanatics is similar to Yahoo and ESPN in that players can invite friends and make their selections to the tournament, but here's what makes BracketFanatics different. First off, they take out all the hard parts of running a bracket. When you start your pool, you set your entry fee and payouts. Everyone that joins your bracket can then pay the pool entry fee before the tournament even starts. Once March Madness ends, Bracket Fanatics will send pool payouts to the winners for you. That's right. I've told you before. I'll say it again. No chasing down Doris from accounting for her last 10 bucks so you can pay the winner of your pool. By the way, if you decide you want to collect the money yourself and distribute your own pool payout, that's fine. Also, if you don't want to have a payout at all, that's fine. But you still use Bracket Fanatics. If there is an entry fee, if there is a pool fee, Bracket Fanatics will collect it for you and do the payouts for you. Here's an even cooler aspect of BracketFanatics.com. You can make side bets with your friends and family all tournament long, all through BracketFanatics.com. So this is the cool part. You don't listen to Wednesday's Torres pod. You don't make your picks based off of what I tell you, and your bracket completely falls apart. Well, guess what? You can still make side bets on any game in the tournament with every player in your bracket. You click a link, you, you, you click a little box, you send them a little side bet, you make side bet, you can make it all back and more with all important bragging rights, individual bets, Bracket Fanatics and BracketFanatics.com. I know I've told you before, but the Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge link is in the show description. $500 Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. It is all through BracketFanatics.com, but I encourage you, if you're running a pool, if you're doing it yourself, make sure to use Bracket Fanatics and BracketFanatics.com. Click the link in the show description. Thank you to Bracket Fanatics for being an incredible partner and an incredible sponsor of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast all March long. And with that said, bonus episode. Let's get to me and my buddy, Zach Kroll. I really think you're going to enjoy this one. All right, joining me via Zoom, uh, I kind of mentioned it in the intro, but uh, a guy that, you know, I've really, frankly, really enjoyed working with, uh, Zach Kroll. So, Zach, I, I hate to, 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 to put your whole history on blast here, but you were my former intern. Uh, you now work at Odyssey, uh, uh, producing shows, hosting shows, and you've been crushing it on your college basketball coverage, Aaron Torres Online, um, and kind of Monday's show. I spent a bunch of time breaking down the bracket. Wednesday, I'm going to make my official picks. 
I just thought it might be nice to bring on another voice, throw some stuff off somebody that I really respect. Uh, I said it in the intro, nobody watches more college hoops than you. Uh, I, I love getting your perspective on stuff. So I figured I'd have you on. We talk a little hoops. First of all, how you doing? You feeling good? You ready to get these games underway Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or what? Yeah, AT, what's going on, man? I'm so happy to be here. It's wild because the first uh, season uh, we were working together, the tournament got canceled, wiped out in 2020. And last year, it was so good to have the, the tournament back. And I don't know if you felt the same way, but yesterday, watching the selection show and just seeing all the locations, seeing where all the teams are going and the bracket, it really made things feel normal again. And with crowds back in play, I'm so excited for this tournament. Well, I'll tell you, normally, uh, I know you know this, and I think most people listening know this, I, I do normally go to, um, I do normally go to the, the, the conference tournaments, and this year I got a little sick last week, and, but being at home, I was able to watch so much, and even watching, uh, it just felt great to have fans in the stands. I mean, you were at the ACC and the Big East tournament covering it for our website, Aaron Torres Online. Uh, did you get the sense of how excited fans were to be back? I mean, I, me obviously being a UConn fan, I know a bunch of people at the Big East tournament, Pac-12 tournament, ACC. It felt like I think that was my real like realization of we're going to have a normal march and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so the Big East was just a great time, especially Thursday and Friday. Thursday, all four games uh, the fan base is really represented well. Providence fans were taking over MSG. Uh, there were a lot of Creighton fans supporting them for their run. And even the Villanova-St. John's game, Jay Wright said it uh, in his interview on Selection Sunday, that was a quarterfinal Big East tournament game that really felt like uh, a Big East final game. And it was un an unreal atmosphere. You know, the UConn fans showed up and it was just a great time at MSG. The ACC was a little different. It doesn't really belong in Brooklyn, <laughs> sure. but... But when Duke is there, and even when Syracuse had a nice win, their fans showed up. So we know it's a down year for the ACC. It was cool to see uh, firsthand Virginia Tech go on their run. Uh, they're a team I've really grown to respect over the past couple of weeks. And uh, it's just, once again, great to be in the building uh, with all these fans in the crowd. All right, so we've had a bracket now. It's Tuesday morning for about, you know, 36 or so hours. But putting aside, like, the Tennessee stuff, I feel like, okay, we all agree they were misseeded. Duke, of course, the beneficiary, which obviously is a whole nother conversation. I think everybody's got to move on. Tennessee is what it is. It's a three seed. They're playing Longwood. They got to play the winner of Michigan, Colorado State. Is there anything else? Like, like when you were watching on Sunday, is, was there one thing, two things that kind of stood out about the bracket and what you saw from the seedings or the teams or the regions or anything that stood out when, when the bracket came out? So, yeah, I think the first thing that really stood out to me that the South is just loaded. I think that if chalk holds and we get Arizona, Illinois and, and Tennessee, Villanova, like that sweet 16 site could be a final four. Like those four teams are all final four good, in my opinion. And I'm really am ho hoping uh, the chalk does hold up. But like I saw some people saying the East region with Baylor and Kentucky on top is the hardest region uh, or Gonzaga. They have to go through Duke and Texas Tech and, and Arkansas and UConn. But like I think the South and Arizona out of any one seed has the, the toughest path to a final four. All right, so we're going to get back to the South in a minute. Let me ask you, because one thing I talked about a little bit, I think, on my Monday show, I, I have been a vocal you know, one thing about me, I'm not afraid to, to disagree with the, the consensus. And one thing I've always said, one thing that's always frustrated me is mid-February, late February, early March, you hear the Jay Billises, you hear the Dick Vitales, and I know Dick, you know, his health seems to be getting better, didn't call very many games this year. But 
you always hear the same voices. This is such a wide open tournament. Anybody could win it 30 teams. And I sit there and say, there's really most years about three, four, five teams that can win it. Now there's a bunch that can get to a final four. We're recording here right after Frank Martin got fired. That's a perfect example. South Carolina makes a run, whatever. There's a difference between getting to a final four and winning a national championship. I bring all that up to say, my biggest takeaway watching the bracket actually unfold. I do think this is the year that I do think that there is some truth to the idea of it being a wide open event where uh, I just mentioned Tennessee, probably realistically closer to a one, but they're on the three line. You mentioned Illinois, Big Ten regular season champ. That's a four seed. Arizona's going to have to play them in a sweet 16. Um, Purdue is a three. We were talking about as a one all year. Arkansas as a four was one of the probably the hottest team in college basketball from February 1st on. Just in general, do you kind of agree with my sentiment that um, maybe this year is more wide open in terms of not only teams that can get to New Orleans, but actually what do you do you agree with that? I do. And I think we have to remember it's so important when you're filling out your bracket to just look at individual matchups. And I think a lot of times when we have that discussion over the course of the regular season, like how many teams could win it all. I remember you did a segment on your podcast and I guarantee you feel much different now than the way you felt when you did that show uh, discussing those teams. So I do think depending on matchups and depending on who's playing who, I do agree with that narrative. Yes, that there are a bunch of teams that could win it all. So let's go to that South region. We'll start there. I agree with you. You know, I've done a few interviews over the course of Monday, Tuesday, and I've gotten a few that have tried to make the case like that Gonzaga has a really tough road. I think weirdly their first, their second round matchup and their sweet 16 matchup, potentially with Arkansas or UConn. We'll talk about that in a minute. I think that's tougher than maybe their elite eight game against either Texas or Duke, but let's start with the South because that was my immediate takeaway. And when you were at Madison square garden, uh, watching Villanova this past weekend, I, I texted you. I said, I'm, I hate to do the, I'm blindly putting this team in my final four, but I was like, I love this Villanova team. I think Tennessee is one of the best stories in college basketball over the course of the last probably six weeks of the season where Rick Barnes, they not only turned a corner in a win-loss perspective, Rick Barnes changed how they play. And I give him so much credit for that. Illinois, I mentioned Arizona. I think when they're at full strength, they're the best team in the country. I just don't know if they're going to be at full strength this year. So I agree with you. I think that's definitely the toughest quad. I think all four of those teams get to that regional in San Antonio. I'll be honest, dude. I don't, I don't, I think I know where I'm going to go, but I, I could really see the scenario where all four of those teams win it. Maybe Illinois. I don't know if they can win both the games, but I think they can upset Arizona. Um, so lay it on me, man. I mean, you said the same thing. Your reaction is the same as mine. That is a brutal, brutal sub-region there in the South where, again, top four is Arizona, Tennessee, Villanova, not in that order. Villanova's the two, Tennessee's the three, Illinois the four. I could, I really could see all four of those teams making a Final Four. Yeah, dude, I agree 100%. And I'm going to predict that all four of them will get to the uh, second weekend in San Antonio. And this is where the chaos starts a little bit. I think Illinois is going to beat Arizona. There are just too many things going wrong with Arizona right now 
at the absolute worst time between Kirk Risa, I don't know if you or, you or anyone else saw the picture that went viral of his foot on Twitter today. It was disgusting. It was tough to look at. And I don't know if he's going to be ready or even 100% uh, to play uh, in the NCAA tournament. That's tough. And Illinois, they're a team that I've looked at really the whole season. Last year, this was a team that got a number one seed. They won the Big Ten tournament. They entered the NCAA tournament with so much hype, and we know how it ended. They lose to Loyola Chicago. And this year, after they lose Io DeSumo, probably the best closer in all of college basketball last year, I think this team is built better to get to the Final Four. Trent Frazier is electric with the ball. He's a fifth-year senior. He's played in a bunch of big games. Alfonso Plummer is one of the best pure shooters in the country. And you have a dominant big man in Kofi Coburn. I'm a big fan of Brad Underwood. I think he's due for a long tournament run. And with Arizona, I think people forget, like, they don't have a player on their team. And it's like, yeah, Umar Bala played a little bit with Gonzaga, like, with legit tournament experience. Tommy Lloyd is a first-year head coach that's done a phenomenal job. And I was so impressed with Arizona against UCLA without Kirk Risa when they're down 10 in the second half, coming back and winning that game. Every time we watch Arizona, there are a few moments where we, we just turn and we're like, what did we just watch? Like, that's an NBA team right there. But I think Illinois is good enough to beat them, uh, especially with a couple things going wrong for Arizona. Also, this team's not out west. It's in the south. I think that favors Illinois. I'm on the Illini to get to the Elite Eight. Love it. Wow. Um, it's, so it's interesting with Arizona. Two thoughts on that. First of all, that is one, you know, a couple of my seasonal yearly college basketball takes. One, what I mentioned about it usually not being that wide open. But two, the other thing is, I really do think tournament experience matters. And I think Illinois is a perfect example of that last year where they they won the Big Ten tournament. People were talking about them as the potential national champion. But they've never, no one on that team had ever played in a tournament game. They get in that tight setting. They can't beat Loyola Chicago. I do worry a little bit about that with Arizona. The other thought with Arizona, you'll appreciate this. So Saturday night when they won the big, uh, the Pac-12, excuse me, it reminded me of the year that they had DeAndre Ayton and they blitzed through the Pac-12 tournament. And I just remember watching in 2018 uh, when they had DeAndre Ayton saying, that's the best team in college basketball. That's my national championship pick. They lost in the first round of Buffalo that year. And I look at this year's team, and, and I, I had that same feeling while I was watching them on Saturday night, is they don't have Kirk Reese their starting point guard. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Dalen Terry steps up and has like 11 points and nine assists or something. So I do feel like I'm experiencing, experiencing like a little bit of deja vu with Arizona where – I literally lived through this four years ago where I watched them win the Pac-12 and say that's the best team in college basketball. I know it's different this year. They're a number one seed, all that stuff. But, I, you know, I, I love Arizona, but I feel like I'm trying to justify my opinion on them. I don't know. I'm, I'm really, really, really torn. I mean, I mean, first of all, is that crazy? I mean, I, are you get, did you get a little bit of 2018 vibes watching them on Saturday night? Yeah, so I, I absolutely didn't. And I picked Arizona just like you in 2018 going into that tournament. Uh, and they lose to Buffalo in the first round. And that team got screwed. It was not a four seed. That was sure. one of the best teams in college basketball. And I think this team did get a better draw. But like even the 8-9 matchup, if TCU beats Seton Hall, which I think they will, TCU has been a team multiple people have been tabbing as someone that could ruin someone else's season. They're not going to be intimidated by Arizona's length and size. They have length of their own. Jamie Dixon is a coach with tournament experience. I do think Arizona beats them, but I think they'll sweat a little bit. And 
before that UCLA game, like Arizona didn't play great in the Pac-12 tournament. They almost lost to Stanford. They were in another dogfight with Colorado. I, I think experience is a factor. And the more you mention Illinois last year, like I think Arizona has a lot of similarities. So the other part of that uh, South region, Villanova and Tennessee, um, I'm really torn. They, these two teams did play earlier at Mohegan Sun Arena, like literally the first week of the season. Villanova won convincingly. Tennessee is a completely different team. And I guess where I'm torn is a few things. First of all, what do you make of the Rick Barnes doesn't win in the tournament stuff? Because part of me sits there and says, I'm getting some big Matt Stafford vibes from Rick Barnes right now. Like Matt Stafford, you know, couldn't win in the tournament until he did. Rick Barnes had or couldn't win in the NFL playoffs, couldn't win big games until he did. Uh, but Rick Barnes won. He has made a Final Four. But he does kind of have a 30-year track record where his teams disappoint once they get to March. But at the same time, one, they're playing so well. I think they match up really well with a lot of teams. The one thing I would say, though, I do think that Villanova team is a really, really tough matchup for them. Villanova veteran guards, Tennessee two freshman guards. What do you make of that part of the bracket? Because I'm telling you, that four right there might be the toughest four to pick out of uh, the entire tournament. Yeah, so it's funny. I remember in December, I went to the Jimmy V Classic at MSG, and I saw Tennessee in person against Texas Tech, and it was very disappointing. They, that game ended like 50-44. to 44. They, they just didn't look good. They couldn't score, and it gave me – like it was very similar to Tennessee of last year, who was very talented. They had a five seed in the NCAA tournament, and they got blown out by Oregon State, and I think Rick Barnes has shown – just how good of a coach he is by just how much this team has improved over the course of the season. Uh, and their offense has just really improved their guards and their playmaking have really improved as well. And like, it's just unfortunate. Cause like, I know we said it a hundred times, but if Tennessee was the three seed in the West, I would pick them to get to the final four. I don't think they only got screwed by their seed. I thought they got screwed by their placement too, which is why I understand uh, why Tennessee fans are so frustrated. So I think that I will be picking Villanova to beat them. It's a 50-50 game. I agree 100%. Seeing Villanova up close in person at the Big East tournament, I just cannot bet against Jay Wright and these guards in March. I think Villanova beats Tennessee. I think they beat Illinois and come out of the South. And I have them making a deep run. Guard play wins in March. Their experience, Colin Gillespie, has been part of a national championship team. Uh, as you said, this any of these four games with these four teams could go either way. But I am on Villanova. I am. Let's go. We, we mentioned the West region. So Gonzaga is the number one seed there. We'll get to Gonzaga in a second. Soon as I see Gonzaga, Boise is in their region. And my first thought, college basketball nerd, Boise's head coach, Leon Rice, was a Gonzaga assistant for a million years before he went to Boise. Then Memphis came out as the nine seed in that region. And I was blown away. So what do you make of Memphis as a nine seed? And first of all, do you like them against Boise? For people who don't know Boise, they're, they're, they're kind of similar. They're really big and athletic on the wing. They're not, they, they have high major players, even though they're a mid-major team. Uh, Emmanuel Acott started at Arizona. Uh, Abu Kijab started at, at Oregon. So they have high major players. Let's talk about that Memphis-Boise and then leading into the Gonzaga game. Do you have a lean in Memphis-Boise? And then if it's Memphis, well, let's just start. You have a lean in Memphis, Boise. I know this is kind of nerd 101 stuff, but I think it leads to a fascinating second question about a potential second round matchup with, uh, with Gonzaga. 
Yeah, so this West region is really the region where I've got some some chaos brewing. I'll start with Boise. It's funny. I actually work with a, a good friend of mine, Alex Gold, uh, who used to cover Boise in Boise, Idaho. And he said, you know, obviously, a uh, few and Leon Rice, they work together, but they're best friends and refuse to schedule each other oh. during the regular season. So the fact that Boise and Gonzaga could play, that that's an interesting nugget. But I think it's a bad matchup for Boise. I think the way this Memphis team is playing, and I know they lost to Houston on Sunday, but it's hard to be the time a team three times uh, during the regular season. They just look tired. Um, I think Memphis beats Boise. And when it comes to Gonzaga, like, I haven't officially predicted it yet, but I- I'm very tempted to, man. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, Memphis doesn't lose with DeAndre Williams in the lineup. They're something like 46 and 13 with him over the, or maybe 46 and 18, I think the number was over the last couple of years with him in the lineup. And like, we hate to say it, but we know the truth. Since Imani Bates has not been on the floor, this Memphis team has been one of the best teams in college basketball. We know that even though they're a nine seed, they are playing really well right now. And Drew Timmy in the past has had trouble with that NBA type big man. And Jalen Duran has just been uh, just attacking rims lately, like his dunks, his blocks. It's unreal. And I think Memphis does provide some unique matchup problems, maybe just being like, you know, we don't even know better. This is a team that won the NIT last year. So they have some tournament experience. I'm tempted. I am. I I agree with everything. And that's why, first of all, I agree that Memphis does get by Boise. Um, First of all, I heard a crazy stat. This was courtesy of Matt Norlander on his podcast. So I don't really know what goes into all of these metrics, but one of the metrics is called Bart Torvik. And I don't really know how he crunches his numbers, but according to Bart Torvik, so uh, Memphis obviously had Imani Bates. He was a five-star freshman. He's been out with an an injury. Uh, Wink, wink, nod, nod. Some might say that he's not very injured, but that's neither here nor there. According to Bart Torvik, whatever metrics he uses, Memphis is the second best team in the country since Imani Bates left the, left his team. Uh, Gonzaga's number one. So, you know, I, I don't know what goes into these metrics, but that shows you that this has been a different team over the last six, seven weeks. And I'm with you, man. I, I You know, I'm, I'm not there yet. I will make my official picks on Wednesday. But I do think Memphis gives them trouble because it, it's, as you said, the physicality, NBA toughness on, on Drew Timmy. And then Chet Holmgren, like, I know we love him, and he's 7-1, and he handles the ball, and he shoots threes. But, you know, you get up in his chest. I mean, I was at that Duke game where it's a little bit different because Duke has Mark Williams, who's a legit seven-footer. But you get up in his chest, you make life difficult. It's a little bit of what St. Mary's did in their game with them. And so I just bring it up because I can see the scenario. I'm not totally there yet. Uh, but I could see the scenario where Gonzaga loses really quick, kind of in that same part of the region. Do you think do you think we're going to get an Arkansas-UConn matchup in round two? Uh, I do. I don't really see – New Mexico State having the size to deal with, uh, to deal with, to deal with UConn, Vermont. I get it; they're playing well, but Arkansas really does a good job of dictating playing the way that they want to play. Do you think that we get a UConn Arkansas round two matchup? And then, if so, uh, where would you lean in that one? You know, it's funny. Last year, you remember, like, we debated Baylor and Gonzaga leading up to the tournament, who was going to win, and Baylor suffered a tough loss in the Big 12 tournament, and a lot of people were hopping off their bandwagon, and I just remember saying to myself, like, we have to rely on the conclusions we made during the regular season for the majority of it, and not just completely overreact to champ week, and when I look at Arkansas, 
throughout many points during the regular season, whether it was when they beat Kentucky, whether it was when they beat Auburn, I just said to myself, even when they went into Florida and won, like that was a win they, they, haven't, they hadn't had since 95. That was a historic win for their program. Uh, I think it's a special year for Arkansas, man. I do. I'm picking them to get to New Orleans, to come out of the West. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm all in, man. Like the SEC, I know people will have their debates on – who is the best conference in college basketball? And I think from top to bottom, the Big 12 is better. I agree. But how I evaluate that question is how many teams in your league could I see making deep runs in the tournament? And in the SEC, I respect Arkansas. I respect Kentucky. Auburn got a good draw. I have Tennessee making it to the second weekend. And I agree with you. I think they're just better than UConn. Like it, it will be a good game. I think they're better offensively. And like this, that's where the chaos happens, dude. I'm leaning right now, Memphis to beat Gonzaga and then Arkansas to beat Memphis. I can't trust Penny Hardaway on back-to-back big games, but I think for that one game setting, like Memphis against Gonzaga, I think we're going to see some chaos in this region. I really do. I'll tell you, you know, I don't know how much you know about geography, but Memphis is right on the border of Arkansas. And uh, we have a lot of Arkansas fans that can listen and, and text me or DM me, I should say, and, and give me some details. But they consider themselves rivals. So you talk about a Sweet 16 matchup. I know it would be in San Francisco or whatever, but that that part of the country would go crazy over Arkansas-Memphis. I'm not there yet on Memphis in the Sweet 16. I, I, I do think I'm there on Arkansas. You mentioned Auburn, and let, let, let's talk about that um, that region really quick. It's so interesting because I will say another one of my my pet peeves, and it's not really a pet peeve, but I'm always hesitant every year people start asking me, okay, who's that team that nobody's talking about that could make a run and who's this and who's that? And every year I say, I got to see a bracket before I say it, because as you said a minute ago, it's a matchup based tournament. Every result is independent of every other result. Um, And I bring it up because Auburn's almost the exact opposite where I didn't love them. I didn't love them the back half of the year. I didn't love them, you know, uh, whatever Bruce Pearl came on this podcast and he even said, he's like, I think we have work to do and, and we're, we're going to get some real challenges ahead. And I thought the last two, three weeks of the season, they weren't great, but you look at this draw uh, USC. I've seen in person a number of times. They're right down the street from me. Uh, Miami is good, but I mean, do they have the dudes? So you start talking about now, all of a sudden you're in the sweet 16, you potentially get Johnny Davis in Wisconsin with Johnny Davis at less than hundred percent. You maybe get LSU, who you've already beaten, and you know well. And, oh, by the way, they don't have a head coach right now. Um, Auburn's won in this bracket where I didn't it, – it's, it's it, this tournament is so funny, man, because I didn't like them 24, 72 hours ago. I hated them on Saturday night. They were my pick that they're not even making it out of the first weekend. And then you look at the draw, and it's like they kind of have a pretty nice draw, I feel like. Yeah, dude, I agree 100%. I was out on Auburn watching them just get absolutely run off the floor by Texas A&M on Friday in the SEC tournament was pretty surprising because Auburn has at least shown up for games. They've lost a lot of close games, but I've never seen them just get run off the floor like that. It was wild to watch. I know A&M was desperate playing for their season, but I agree. I think Auburn got a really good draw. I think they're going to get to the Elite Eight uh, out of this in, in this region. And, you know, Jabari Smith, in my opinion, is going to be the number one pick in the draft. Walker Kessler is a pro SEC defensive player of the year, but your guards are, you're going to go as far as they take you. And Wendell Green, 
you feel like some nights he could drop 30, other nights he could have zero. Katie Johnson shoots 0 for 14 from the floor against Texas A&M. Like, when that happens, they're, you're just not going to beat anyone. So I think their guards could not have played much worse than they've had lately. And I think that's a plus. I think Auburn gets to the Elite Eight. And one other thing, A.T., I'll, I'll throw at you. Like, I understand everyone hates Will Wade and everyone is going to want to pick against LSU. But I'm looking at their draw, dude. Like, Iowa State, they will out-athletic them. I feel confident they win that game. And Wisconsin without Johnny Davis, like, I think Tari Eason could go to work. I have LSU in the Sweet 16 beating Iowa State and Wisconsin without a head coach. I think I'm going to be the only one to pick it. But these are the things that happen in March, dude. Like, I've been through this so many times where really just not a lot of things surprise me. The SEC, it just means more. I think five SEC teams make it to the second weekend, and LSU is one of them, and we see them face off against Auburn. So for anybody who calls me an SEC basketball homer, we have officially found a bigger SEC basketball homer in Zach Curl here, who has five SEC teams go to the Sweet 16. Uh, I don't know that – listen, I don't think it's inconceivable. I do think the not having a coach thing does matter at LSU. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Really quick, top half of that bracket. Uh, Kansas is the number one seed, okay? Real quick. I think San Diego State could give Kansas fits. I also think before San Diego State is the nine seed in that region would play Kansas. I think Creighton can give San Diego State fits. So you saw Creighton in person multiple nights at uh, Madison Square Garden Big East tournament. Was this a what is this? Because I can tell you, I, I know some people over there. I think even they're a little surprised by how well Creighton is playing right now in their own building, they're stunned. Is this, was this just, they caught lightning in a bottle at Madison Square Garden? You were up close, you were at the press conferences, you heard from Coach Mack yourself. What did you make of Creighton at the Big East tournament? What did Coach Mack have to say about how well his team was playing in MSG? So I'm not gonna lie, I was so impressed by everything I saw from this Creighton team, especially considering the circumstances. I think we have to remember this is a team that got to the Sweet 16 last year, but lost all five starters. They also lost Ryan Nebhard, their starting point guard, uh, who has been playing great the whole season. And their first game without him, or their second game without him, they, they got they lost to Providence, but they blew out UConn, and that kind of opened my eyes. I was like, okay, like they're blowing out UConn in a big game. That tells me a lot. And then they handle Marquette in the first game, and then they blew out Providence. I love the the vibes around this team between Trey Alexander, a six five freshman point guard, running things. You have scores like Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Hawkins, and honestly, one of the most underrated players in the country down low in Ryan Kalkbrunner. I think he's the difference in this game. I could see it going either way. It's unfortunate Creighton and San Diego State have to play each other. I think that's a phenomenal matchup, but I think Creighton is dangerous and, and will compete with Kansas. Whoever wins this game will. That's what I was going to say. I do think, you know, San Diego State's one of the few teams that actually does have the size and physicality to deal with Creighton down low. It's weird because the Big East really doesn't have a ton of really big athletic guys. They have guys like Sonogo, um, uh, Obiagu from Seton Hall, but Kalkbrenner is kind of in a league of his own. I do think San Diego State can uh, – can, can, can beat them, but they're playing well, man. And I, I do think either team will give them trouble. I think San Diego State is going to beat Kansas. I, I was doing a hit with Doug Gottlieb today, and he said, give me your bold prediction. That was my bold prediction. So, all right, man, we'll start to wrap here. Uh, you know, I wasn't planning on going region by region, but we've kind of hit it already. So 
I guess we hit the East now. Um, you've been higher on Baylor than most this year. I've been lower on Baylor than most this year. Personally, I'm just looking at this bracket. I think it speaks to what I said to kind of lead the segment. I really feel like, um, and I haven't seen if, if DraftKings has updated odds out yet on who's going to advance and all that stuff, but I think this is a perfect example of what I was talking about to lead what we were talking about, where I look at this region, Kentucky was in, if Kentucky beats Tennessee, they might get that fourth number one seed over Baylor. Purdue, we were talking about as a potential number one seed. They fall to the three line. UCLA, they've been kind of lying in the weeds all year. Uh, you know, basically everybody returns off their final four team from a year ago. This one to me, it's both wide open and it's not. I do like Kentucky and UCLA in the Elite Eight. I'm just not buying Baylor as a team that can, as weird as it sounds, number one seed. They have the metrics to back up getting a number one seed, especially with Kentucky, Auburn, Purdue, all them losing in their conference tournaments. But I'm not buying them as a team that can actually do what it takes to win this region. Yeah, so I think when they're fully healthy at 100%, Baylor is one of the two or three best teams in college basketball. And if they enter this tournament fully healthy, there's a good chance I pick them to win it all. But unfortunately, they're not. Not only did they lose Jonathan Chamo Chachua for the season, but although also LJ Cryer hasn't played in about a month now, which is really concerning. They're not expecting him back. And I agree. Like, I look at this region. UCLA is a team that's very appealing, a team that went all the way to the Final Four with Mick Cronin as head coach. And I'm so high on Kentucky, man. I think they got a really good draw. I think whether it's Purdue or Texas or Virginia Tech, they'll have a pretty easy road to the Elite Eight. And Kentucky, uh, UCLA, the Johnny Juzang Bowl, that'll yeah. be good. I have Kentucky winning it all. I do. I'm very high on wow. and uh, the SEC, man. You know, I have to back up what I'm saying. I guess it just means more to Zach Kroll. I'll tell you that much. Oh, my goodness. So Kentucky is your national champion. Um, you have five SEC teams in the Sweet 16. You're not buying Alabama. Is that what I'm hearing? You're out. Of, you, you don't have them in the Final Four like everybody else. Is that it? That is correct. And I'll tell you what, if Rutgers beats Notre Dame, which I think they will, we both know Notre Dame really didn't deserve to get in the tournament to begin with. I think Rutgers will beat Alabama. And I know a lot of people are saying like, oh, they're going to have to travel from Dayton to San Diego, which could be a rough trip. But I think the schedule makers threw Rutgers a bone because that game is going to be played Friday night at 10 o'clock, one of the last games of the night. I think that favors Rutgers. I don't like the way Alabama has been playing. They just lost to Vanderbilt. I'll take Rutgers. Nobody likes the way Alabama's been playing. Real quick, if Indiana were to win its playing game tonight against Wyoming, I feel like that Indiana and St. Mary's, to me, are kind of the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. They both want to play super slow. They both want to play defense. They both want to play in the 50s. I feel like Indiana, in, in, a, in a potential 5-12 game, my boy Mike Effin Woodson, baby, I could see the scenario where Indiana, as a 12 seed, not only wins their opener, if they were to win their opener against Wyoming, I think they would give a, a matchup problem to St. Mary's. You agree or disagree? Yeah, so I definitely agree. I was really impressed with what Indiana was able to do uh, during the Big Ten tournament this past week in Indianapolis, coming back from the big 17-point deficit against Michigan and then uh, beating the number one seed, Illinois. And they could have beaten Iowa. That was a, a really close game. But I think the Hoosiers have really gained some confidence. I agree with you. I think if they get St. Mary's, that is a very winnable game. But I'm not going to lie, like, I'm not counting out Wyoming yet either. I think there's yep. a good chance 
Wyoming beats them. Uh, I think that Graham Ike and Hunter Maldonado, those guys are, are made for the month of, month of March. And Jeff Linder, he's a, a coaching wizard, one of the more underrated coaches in the country. So I'm really looking forward to that game uh, tonight between Indiana and Wyoming. Yeah, I'll say, I mean, I don't know. how We have all these crazy SEC jobs open. Um, I don't know that Jeff Linder makes sense for those, but I could see the scenario where if he's interested in leaving Wyoming, uh, he could be a candidate, some of these Midwest jobs, Kansas State, whatever. Uh, Zach Kroll, first of all, follow Zach on Twitter at Z, Zach Kroll, Z-A-C-K-R-U-L-L underscore. Um, anything else we missed? Is there anything else that has you excited and upset pick? Anything that we haven't hit on on today's show? Yeah, so the, the one bold prediction I'll say is I think that this is going to be the first year since 2011, and your UConn Huskies won that year, that zero one seeds get to the Final Four. The team I have coming out of the Midwest is Iowa. That's the one team we haven't mentioned. They won the Big Ten tournament. I think there is not a player in the sport playing better right now than Keegan Murray. I think Iowa is going all the way to the Final Four. They'll benefit from that weak region as well. I think Iowa uh, beats Auburn in the Elite Eight, and I'm, I'm excited to watch them. So once again, just to recap, I'll have uh, Kentucky beating Villanova in the national championship with Arkansas and Iowa uh, getting to the Final Four as well. Wow. I've made my official picks. I, I, you know, Iowa was a team that jumped out to me in that region. I, I'm on the record saying I like San Diego State over Kansas in round two. Uh, and I'm on the record saying, you know, Auburn has a nice path, but are they going to a Final Four? That I probably don't know. Uh, Zach Kroll, man, dude, it's been awesome. This was really fun. Uh, we'll have you on sometime again throughout the tournament. But, uh, yeah, all your writings, obviously, or at least some of your writing is at Aaron Torres Online. I appreciate everything that you've done for us and our media company this year. Um, follow you on Twitter. Are, are you? I mean, I know you're hosting a few shows for Odyssey. I mean, anywhere else people can find your work. Uh, yeah, so I'm actually going to be hosting Chalk Talk uh, this Saturday on uh, the BeckQL app, uh, network on the Odyssey app. You guys could check that out. And just, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter for, for updates. I love this time of year. There's no better time. And I just love talking about the sport, man. All right. He's Zach Crow, writer for me here at Aaron Torres Online. Odyssey, uh, we are going to get out of here. I will be back on Wednesday with my official tournament picks. We'll catch you later, party people. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus